Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach, a midlife mentor, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about exploring community building and connections with Marilyn Crump. Now, if you didn't notice it before, you've probably noticed it lately, the need for community has never been greater. The online space, both professionally and personally, is creating so many interesting opportunities for connection. And like I said, my experience has been that so many of us are craving community more than ever before. Now, I know there is some Zoom fatigue, but in general, that's what I'm noticing. These communities don't typically come out of the woodwork, but they're built with some intention. There's a vibe and there's a framework and, you know, like a mission that needs to be expressed and understood. And there also needs to be a partnership from the start to grow in and with a community. The sky's the limit with what's possible for you in communities. And I'm a firm believer in the importance of community in your life. My guest today is Marilyn Crump. Marilyn has a ton of experience with community building. She's the owner of Arts Inspired LLC, which she established in 2000. And it serves creatives and dreamers that are passionate about growth in purpose and passion. She thrives in spaces where people are playing big and getting you ready to step into the next level is her passion. Marilyn touches upon so many disciplines and as an entrepreneur, she has the ability to choose what to concentrate on and dive into. The mission of Art Inspired grew to encompass movement and fitness classes. Marilyn is also a sought after business development coach and marketing strategist. She's turned Art Inspired into a global brand, serving people in multiple countries like the UK, Canada, Australia, and Singapore. She recently launched the Phenomenal Female Business Network and serves as its president and creative programs director. I know my interview with Marilyn is going to give you lots to think about when it comes to how you connect with people online, so please enjoy. Hi, Marilyn. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. So excited to be here. Thank you. You know, we met online in a networking type of group. And one of the reasons I was so attracted to you right away was that you seem to really care about community building. And I find community building in the online space really interesting and have noticed, as I'm sure you have, that things have changed quite a bit uh, since the pandemic and during the pandemic with so many people working from home. Uh, So in my world, it's a combination of being at uh, the age and stage that so many of the women in the middle listeners are in midlife and things starting to matter differently and people caring differently about certain things, as well as this shift to working online. And it just seems like community, community building, reconnecting is becoming so important in everybody's life. And 
and is changing too. So you um, presented a really interesting community building opportunity, which is how I first met you, which I know we'll get into. But if you could just talk a little bit about why you, why your attraction to community, where you've, where have you been professionally that has, uh, you know, created this passion for you? Tell us everything. I will tell you as much as you can handle. So my career started in college, actually, where I was freelancing as a creative in my senior year. And I actually started my company then, Art Inspired LLC. I went to an all-women's college. So there you go, right there. It's all about community because you're, you're the anomaly in the educational world. So everybody was tight-knit. Our graduating class was about 114. That was back in the year 2000. And I've always been in different forms of community. I've performed in theater. I'm kind of the person that if I'm curious about something, I'm going to leap into it, especially if it's a creative aspect. I want to try it out. What you find in theater, what you find in film, I've been in the film industry as well. Community is what drives a lot of that creativity. So then I started modifying the things that I offer as a company, as a creative, a lot of the things were into the development areas. So development and movement. I love Pilates. I love to dance. I've even taught ballroom. There's a ballroom dance community. And once you get into that, people start knowing each other, all these little circles. So I've always been the kind of person that floated between different circles. You couldn't just peg me down in one because I was way too interested in other things. But also on the other side of that, I started HTML coding when I was 17 years old, back when we had Netscape. Okay, so (laughs) dial up internet. I was one of the people like learning that intently. So there's been this nerdy side of me and this community creative side of me. And I just find that throughout the years, it has melded. So I've been in the development field online, doing websites through coding. And then when it came easier, of course, marketing online, but then showing up in person in these different communities. So my dream come true has always been that we get to a phase where those things can be seamless. And I would say by the time you got to about the year 2006, even coming further from there to 2010, <laughs> a lot of things just became easier online and things mm. kept developing. And so my, my radar was on that. I was like, ooh. There's tons of potential here. By the time you got to, for me, it was about 2016, the technology was getting more accessible. Before then, people would say, do you have anything online? Because we live in a military-based area. We would meet people based. I I also had some retail space, so self-development retail spot, so community right there as well. People would move away and say, how can I stay in this community in this vibe. Uh, like, I don't really have that option. Like the conferencing software was expensive. Sometimes you had to go to like a, one of those office, you know, buildings where they would rent that for like a hundred something an hour. So you can do a zoom like call. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. I remember that when I worked in a yes. hospital, you had to go to, there was this other hospital that had all the equipment. Exactly. And that was wow. very pricey. So it just was not possible. And then t- 2016, I think Zoom started coming out. And I was like, okay, this is, it was very grainy. You know, it was rough, but at least we did something. And we just kind of flowed from there. So being in that position already from the start, moving into where technology is now, 
I, I've been able to kind of, you know, formulate my thoughts and ideas along the way. So that's where I, I end up with, with different people because they don't understand like how it could be. And I'm here to reveal it. So yeah, technology and the way it impacts everything, especially like the Zoom conferencing and publishing, it's been crazy to watch that. I was thinking too, I just had a flashback to when I got my first job where I had my own computer and a mouse. So exciting. But what I I love what you've said, and this is kind of probably the same reason why I haven't been really clear about what you did all the time, because you love so many things. And also it's a combination of arts and arts-based activities with technology and now using technology to help with community building. Absolutely. And a lot of times people didn't realize that we were so advanced until we had to that uh, COVID point. People go, Zoom? Like there's people who had never used Zoom until last year. Yeah. And then also they're discovering there's Facebook groups, there's LinkedIn groups. They have all these different places where people can land. And I'm actually one of the advents for a pretty large one. Uh, women Helping Women Entrepreneurs, we're close to 500,000 women members in there right now, like literally. But what happened was you saw a big shift during the year 2020. People were just, there was an influx of people coming in, trying to figure out this whole online space. Like, where do we go? Who do we talk to? What, What can I do either as somebody who needed a fail safe because some people were losing their jobs some people were also just had more time on their hands since they were working from home. They're like, you know what? I can start a side hustle. What could I do for that? And now in that discovery, those who already had the communities were reaping the benefits. There was one community that's an offshoot of that big one. And uh, literally there's a VIP, if you would call it like tier and Let's say at around $100, you get to join that. There's tons of amazing perks. But I remember the number being close to like 120-ish before pandemic. And now, like literally between that point to now, it's about 1,200 people in there. So if you're doing the math (laughs) and you're charging like 99, right? And there's about 1,000 people in there every month paying that. That's really lucrative. And eye-opening for those who are like thinking, hmm, can I really be successful in managing, facilitating, and using online communities as part of my business structure? Absolutely, yes. That is so interesting. It really did change everything. And the funniest thing for me is I always have this thought that I suck at technology, even though I suck so much less now (laughs) in the last seven, eight years. Um, But it was so funny to me when so many people were freaking about having to work at home and and use Zoom for the first time and they didn't have the right mic and they didn't have the right lighting and they didn't really understand it. And, you know, some of those embarrassing mistakes were happening with people forgetting to turn off their screen. And it was the funniest thing because all of a sudden I was advanced in my technological knowledge (laughs) My friends and (laughs) and colleagues were coming to me and I'm like, oh my God, I know about mics and lighting and I know about this stuff. I can help you. I had never been at the forefront of anything to do with technology. (laughs) It's hilarious. 
now here you are. They're like, go to Susie. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm at the forefront anymore, but it was, it was really funny. And it just really, um, it just makes it so obvious that there was a massive, massive shift. So the other thing that I'm noticing about community, like everybody's noticing the power of an online community slowly, but surely. Um, but the other thing is the need for a community, a professional community, especially when you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a woman in the middle, somebody who's working and wants more connection. There's just such a need when you're not in a traditional workplace. It's yeah, just so different. Even in a traditional zip code. So for me, I've never been in a traditional workplace. Like ever since that in college that I made that decision, I've really been freelance this whole time. So 21 plus years being just me, you even see things in a local sphere that is way different on this global sphere. What happens in a local kind of microcosm is that people know you and your business. Like sometimes you just don't want that. Whereas an online, you kind of have a different level of anonymity. People feel just a different connection sometimes. And it's exciting. Like it's so fun to meet people from Canada. It's so fun to meet people on the West Coast where I, I'm in the East Coast. So there's a different kind of like enlightenment happening too, that this world is, there's so much for this world to offer that I have commonalities with somebody who doesn't even live near me. And there's a sense of comfort for that. So people are discovering that whether it's subconsciously or consciously, and people who really know how to build communities, they're aware of that part of it. Not just uh, here, let me throw a lot of information at you. What I find is the biggest mistake is that people are trying to sell certain things or trying to onboard people by giving them information. But sometimes it's information overload. We can find that information already on YouTube, Google, etc. Information is not what's going to differentiate your community. What's going to really be the kicker for your community is how you build people together in the right way. Are you introducing so-and-so to so-and-so? Are you paying attention to where people are getting lost and struggling? And then are you able to come in there and say, it's okay. You know, we're not looking for perfection. We're just looking for people who want to vibe well together. And when you really think of it that way, it's almost like the simplest thing on earth but yet people tend to still feel like, oh, that's not enough. That's not enough. If they're the builder, they feel like something's lacking if they're not infusing it all the time with like data. It's almost like the worst thing you can do because then there's, there, there's people who resent being like compounded with all of that stuff and it's never achievable. It makes them feel really, really small. Mm. So I say, take things bite-sized, things that people can have wins and, you know, let them build their wins instead of trying to like fire hose everything, even fire hosing like the welcome, like you can go overboard there too. So it's, it's a matter of pacing online. Like there's a pace, right? Yes, you're so right. So I have experience now in my monthly membership and uh, the Finally First Club and also in my free group, Women in the Middle Community, um, both learning curves, but I've been at them now for a few years. And I really understand what you're saying with pace and really not wanting to overwhelm people, but also trying to explain the vibe. Like, what is it? How do you know if you want that sort of a vibe? Like, how do you know personally that, that you do fit in? So can you talk a little bit about 
creating a vibe because I know that you recently launched an online community and that's how I got to know you. Yes. So my online community is the Phenomenal Female Business Network. And the whole mission of that is so that people can develop their passions, grow their audience, achieve business milestones, and then also learn how to fund themselves. All those aspects, like I've had to deal with myself. So I internally have to assume that the people I'm going to attract have the same outlook as I do when it comes to those things. So I have to be very definitive in my own values before I can actually express that to everybody else who's coming in. Because not that everybody has to be like me, but if I don't understand myself, then I'm not going to be really able to convey that to somebody else who's getting to know me and is mixing with me there. A lot of things that you want to do is clearly define a mission statement. So what I just said, like, I know that by heart, like I can tell everybody that mission statement all over and over again, because every time I say it, I know what it means. And it gives me a framework for what I need to be giving back to those who say yes to me in that community. Uh, but also, if I'm just at the building start, and you know this by being one of my founders, I create kind of like that foundation with the people who say yes in the beginning, because those are the ones I'm going to have the truest connections with because they've seen it from the start coming up. I think sometimes people wait till they have this beautifully polished community and then they launch it and then it's crickets. And then they spent all that time on the back end and it's really sad and it's frustrating. And I never want people to feel like that. So I say, you know what? You're allowed to be incomplete when you enter into a new space because part of what makes it complete is the reciprocation from those coming in. So give you know, enough so that people can kind of match you up. So it's a beautiful partnership from the start instead of, hi, I'm the know-it-all. <laughs> and then you're in my universe now. Like no one wants to feel like that. Like they want to feel that they were part of it from the get-go, right? And yeah. that's why Kickstarter stuff works pretty well. That's why you have Patreon communities that work very well because they'll say, is this the content you want? Since you're pledging every month, we will give you what you vote for. Those things have been going on for a long time and they're super successful. Uh, check it out, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patron. And you might've heard other like podcasters and stuff have a patron site on the side. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's so accurate to the experience I had building a founding member community with the membership. And I'm working on a new idea that I'm going to be introducing later this year that also uh, I'm so thankful for the people who get involved at the beginning. It's so exciting, but it really, when you look at the feedback you get to the testimonials and the kind of growth that people have, um, so many people comment on the community and they comment it. Usually they comment on it as one of those things where they were hopeful about, but didn't really appreciate, or they didn't expect it. And it turns out to be something that they valued the most. Wow. Yes. That's always good feedback when it goes that way. <laughs> yeah. That means you're doing something completely right. And it takes people, there's a learning curve with people. And then two, they have to segment their time. It's a little bit more out of sight, out of mind when it's an online community. When you have a local community, you're you're reminded because you you pass that coffee shop, you pass that building. When it's 
when it's online, like people have to be super intentional, but everybody's going to be busy. That's the one thing. If you're a leader of an online community, you cannot take things personally because people will go on vacation or they're just sick and tired of being online. They're going to say, I'm going to need a break for like a month. Okay. Totally. That's totally fine. And you have to weave that into the experience to say like, look, I'm not expecting, like you can choose your own type of flow. You know, I'm going to recommend some stuff or if we're going to have special events, I definitely want you to be attuned to those things. But other than that, like you have to feel like people can come and go as they please. That's one of the magic of having an online presence that if you say enough, closing the laptop, hanging out with my kids by the pool, totally cool. (laughs) And you need to have that built in. That's so great. So what would you say gave you clarity about the direction of this new idea that you had? What did you learn that brought you to where you are now with launching Phenomenal Women? So technically it wasn't completely new. What I was doing in the local scene was I was a member of different boards and I actually got to serve in an organization that has been around for over 40 years. But what I find that is my understanding of things that I could be doing on a bigger scale it was just feeling a little limited being president of, you know, a local women's network. I wanted to really branch out. Like I have relatives in different parts of the world, you know, it, that was always my vision. So I already came in with some of those types of things that awareness. And then I said, well, how can I convert it so that it doesn't have to be a face-to-face where we can meet each other for coffee We can use the technology that we have, but then it might work for different time zones as well. So I was taking things that I already knew, trying to create a new solution for a new problem. Because if you're serving people in a different way, there's other problems that come with that. But it's part of like the design. Like that's why we say, you know, get people involved who are able to give you that feedback as you go. So The things uh, that I learned that are new would be, you know, just how people also transact from different countries. You know, I'm spoiled here in the United States. Like, you know, we have certain things that we're used to, but if you're doing business transactions with people in the EU or Canada, they have other hoops. So I'm I'm learning those types of things, especially since it is a professional network. I want to make sure that we're all attuned to how we can do like global businesses together. So that's very exciting. Hopefully I answered that question because that was a pretty, um, pretty nice question, but I I knew I had the the cheat sheet from having my local (laughs) experience. (laughs) Was there something in another community um, initiative that you experienced that helped you fine tune your goals for this one? Well, I mentioned um, to you before, you know, this interview that sometimes there's this big concentration on how big can we get? And I didn't like that per se. There's also different books that I've read. If you've ever read The Tipping Point, it sometimes talks about like when you get too big on a scale, like loses its meaning. Like I never want something that I'm doing to lose its meaning. And I'm sure everybody listening has been in some kind of organization. You signed up, you were very excited about it. And then it just was not what you thought. They were just excited about getting you as a member. And then they never onboarded you and they never said hello to you. And you're just like, why am I here? Why am I paying all this money? Uh, And I want people to make a decision that's going to be wise for them. So I try to make things like 
uh, approachable, but also affordable, and then making sure that we are true to our intention. Like that's really the main thing. There's so many other processes out there. You just adapt and you got to be willing to change it because if you say we are founded on this and this is the only way we do it, that's too rigid now. There's too many things that are innovating constantly and you have to make sure you convey to your users saying, hey, we may change stuff up from time to time. We may choose a platform here, but then if something's better, we're going to try that too. And from the understanding that it's for everybody's benefit. And I, I find that when I'm in control of a community too, compared to being on a board of other people making decisions, I can move a little faster. So that's right. one thing that I really have appreciated. Not that I'm like, oh, I know everything, but it's <laughs> I don't have to get as much approval from people that aren't in the spaces that I'm in now. Like I'm always looking at innovation. Yes. And I really appreciate that about you. And you've raised and brought attention to a few things I've never even heard about. One of the things that surprised me right away that you weren't interested in using Facebook and instead you went with something called Mighty Networks. How did you make that decision? First of all, Facebook is great as far as the energy goes, but it's very distracting. So I'm the kind of person I could sit in a room by myself and read a ton of books. So I wanted that same kind of experience from time to time for a platform. And when you're on social media, there's notifications every three seconds. And how can everybody really concentrate on what you're offering? And another reason is you don't always quite own your intellectual property on free platforms. They could yank your your using ability at any time. If they don't like what you're saying, they could censor you. There's so many things that happen when you don't have the full control. So I knew I had to do something on a different platform that I can fully 100% own. And you can do that with a Mighty Networks because you're paying to use it. But I do use Facebook as a communication stream because everybody's there at any given time, right? Out of sight, out of mind at the quiet platform. So if I have a Facebook group just for the intent of, hey, here's what's in the platform. Here's our next meeting. Go check this out, this link. Mm-hmm. I can use it more of like a communication thread versus email, which I feel is just almost pretty much super dead when it comes to conveying the right energy. Energy is important because people feel more engaged and involved when they get you know, those touch points. Email is not a very effective touch point. You also don't know how people are responding to it, at least on Facebook. If they like something, they're going to hit you know, that like or heart or whatever it is. In email, unless they fully respond to you, you just don't know. And the open rate is very low. Whereas if people are really following you on Facebook, Facebook's pushing it in front of their face. So then I'll say, thanks, Facebook, you're doing your job there. And then everybody else, when you need some stuff, I want to put you in a quiet platform. It's much more orderly too, because you know how Facebook, the feed keeps changing. Where'd you put the thing? Where's that, you know, conversation, at least in another platform, I can design it so that it's very user-friendly and organized by topics, et cetera. Yeah. I love just even thinking about what you want as a community organizer, which, you know, in the old days, I had a job where that was part of my title. I was a community organizer, but there was no online. That was before I had a mouse (laughs) on my computer. It was a while ago. But yeah, it's the same sort of thing when you you really are organizing a community and uh, you want to pick the platform with as much intention as you want to pick a facility that you're going to host a conference in or something like that. 
it reminds me too, I bought one of those paperless tablets and the one that I bought doesn't have a connection to any other apps. It's, it's just about writing on paper without distraction, paper in quotes, right? It's just the, yeah. is it the remarkable, on writing. remarkable? Yes, tablet? that's the one. Yeah. That's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like no distraction. So it is very different because I'm definitely like, oh my God, there's a squirrel. And I'm like all over the squirrel. And in, you know, in Canada, or at least in, in Toronto, we have black squirrels. They're different. Where I grew up in Pennsylvania, they were gray. Are they gray where you live? They're reddish brown. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get with a squirrel. Um, no, it's really interesting. I had never really had a lot to do with uh, Mighty Network. And, and, you know, there's different ways to run a group, really, is what you're saying. And that's been fun. So the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is with um, connecting, I'm finding connection, reconnection, that whole topic is really different now post-pandemic. There seems to be more people who are disconnected and more people wanting to connect again, but then the landscape is totally changed. You know, there's so much less opportunity to connect in traditional ways. So I'm finding that this whole idea of connecting again, professionally, personally, all kinds of connection is just a topic. What do you think? It certainly is a topic. I was at a networking meeting last night, the first one in forever. And uh, the room was pretty full and people were just like giddy. Like they were, oh, I'm so, I haven't seen you forever. I'm so giddy. Like they just had this giddy energy. And that was very cute to see. But then, you know, they're still kind of like, do I get really close to you or whatever? So first of all, you know, we're all still transitioning, but I think what's going to happen and what I'm seeing based on, you know, just my own personal perspective here is that you're going to have a, a loop happening. There's going to be some online things going into in-person and then having these like hybrids. Uh, another friend of mine, she does a lot of coordinating for these big conferences. They, everybody's building in these like virtual tickets and these live conference stuff. And it's actually pretty awesome, actually, right? Because I remember, okay, I have five kids. So there was a lot of my life where I'm, you know, pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can't go anywhere. And sometimes you're not just feeling up to that. And there's people who have like chronic illnesses as well, and or they're taking care of an uh, elderly parent. There's so many situations that, man, I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to grow in technology because why should everybody, um, you know, get excluded because they don't have either the means to travel somewhere for a exciting conference or, you know, just the time and the space. Um, there's people who have kids, young kids at home. They can't always like leave it up to their spouse. And so there's all these solutions now. I just feel like we're getting better at creating more avenues for all our communities instead of always being one-sided. We just need to make sure that we're handling it all okay. You know, if you need to collaborate with people, like don't do it all on your own. But I love the fact that there's so many avenues just in one swoop. You're leveraging in many ways. You can multi-stream in many ways. You so can take, true. yeah, you can take your content from your podcast, turn it into an ebook. There's just so many great things happening. That's the exciting part. So I don't know all of the, the needs everybody's facing, how they would like to reconnect. 
But at least now, if people said, you know what, I like this, could you make sure that that keeps happening? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that too. I mean, the first thing that happened was I hosted an online event and there were some things that needed to be learned to do that well. And then this one kind of surprised me, but there were two funerals during the pandemic that I was so grateful that I could attend because they were online and I wouldn't have been able to go to either of them most likely and it was something. It was incredibly meaningful. There was still a chance to connect with family members and a community of people already also experiencing the loss. So that was really interesting for me. One was outside too. It was um, an outside event, uh, an outside funeral uh, in the winter, and it was still able to be streamed. The other thing, I experienced a, an online training event, a four-day event, very intense. It was the Zentangle teacher certification, and it was supposed to be in person, which would have been super fun because it was in Rhode Island. Um, but you know, it, it, it had been postponed, and it had been postponed, and sure enough, they were now offering it online, and it turned out that it was so beautiful. It was so beautifully done. And I was so impressed with my experience and, and their ability to host such an amazing learning experience in that way. And uh, I've been, I'm a member of another community where now things are being streamed on the regular. So if you can't go in person, you can, you can still participate. So I think it might be one of those things that community is just enhanced by diversity and inclusion, right? Like you're really... Yes. Being so much more inclusive um, in my community, a lot of people can't go some because of childcare, but mostly it's responsibilities with their parents and their responsibilities with, um, you know, other people and other things in their life. And it's still no matter what it is, we do have responsibilities and we're not always as flexible as we can be. And it's a great option. It might be like Instacart in my life. I don't know that I'll ever go back <laughs> into the grocery store now that I've experienced it. Oh, MG. Yes. I can't even remember last time I personally went shopping at the groceries. Like, I'm store. telling you, it's quite, uh, it's been, it's been something. I really enjoy that change and, you know, we'll see, but I really enjoyed that change. So what would you say your main message is to the listeners who are thinking about community, they want more community somehow, some way. I say find people that you resonate with, ask to see if they have a community or a part of one. Start there where people can start introducing you and welcoming you in there. If you want to be a facilitator yourself, it's not about perfection, okay? There's going to be learning curves. I think, you know, it's always a good thing to experiment because you learn in that failure part too. Like I would totally. say, fail, fail up, you know? So anything you do out there, whether it's community, business, just life in general, like fail up, you're allowed. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Marilyn, thank you so much. I've learned a lot from you and I barely know you, <laughs> but I love being in your world. You're always talking about some new app or some new platform or, or something. And I just have a feeling we have a fair bit in common. So thank you so very much for having this, I don't know, I think it's a really interesting conversation around community and what community is looking like and how the pandemic has affected our communities and, and our need for communities. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Very thankful.
All right, that's it for this episode. Marilyn's so interesting, and I'm sure now you're thinking more and more about the professional and personal groups that you're engaging with online. How's your connection tolerance these days? Are you craving it? Did you enjoy pulling back for a time during the pandemic? And if so, are you dying to see people again? Is reconnection more of a thing for you now? Are you itching to be with people more than you've been with lately, online and in person? What's going on with you? The growth in technology has been awesome to help us out when it comes to connecting with people. So many solutions, so many ways for communities to thrive. I love this. So start with thinking about what community you're craving. What do you want more of in your life? The type of focus, the type of activities, the type of people. Really think about it. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know there's a community out there for you, full of amazing people just waiting for you to find them. Okay, as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. Head over to www.talktosuzy.com and book a free call to see what program's a good fit for you and apply to work together. It really is time to get unstuck, get clear, and get excited about your life again. For show notes and links, make sure to head over to www.coachwithsuzy.com and click on the podcast tab for the notes to this episode. If you're feeling stuck, make sure to grab your free guide, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s, at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you or your friend is turning 50, here is a great gift. Grab a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50. Check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 